0: Great to hear your journey of how you ended up becoming a period influencer. Hi and welcome back to the Turning 30 podcast, a place where we talk about what it's really like to turn 30. I'm your host life coach Emma Wilson and I'm here to help you feel better, get unstuck and be more confident in your 30s. I'm so excited for this week's episode. It's been three years of the Turning 30 podcast and it's a topic that we just do not talk about enough. And that is the topic of our menstrual cycle and our hormones and how we can normalize talking about it and how we can really do the work to turn our menstrual cycle into our superpower. And this week's guest has a really good TED talk and she is the host of a podcast called feel better, be better. And she's an expert in helping women restore hormonal balance and really take control of their menstrual cycle and their hormones via holistic methods and lifestyle changes and food and nutrition and nourishment so that they can live a life in their 30s or any age that will make them feel better. And this is a topic that I myself have really been diving into the past few years. Many of you who listen to the podcast uh, and follow me on Instagram will know that I froze my eggs one year ago. I started to really think about fertility and think about uh, my cycle when I was in my early thirties, really from the age of around 33 onwards. And I actually was for 13 years from the age of 17. I was on the contraceptive pill without a question as to how that was affecting my body, how that was affecting my moods, how it was affecting my health and, and my sex life. And. When I turned 30, I really started to dive into that and um, decided to go off the pill and really started to think about my menstrual cycle and how my periods were a reflection of my health. And I'm by no means an expert in it, but I am really interested in it. And it's a topic that I think many women, we often ignore it. And actually, as the guest will explain today, we need to look at our periods as almost like a health tracker for our holistic health and for how we show up and it's so much to do with Our food intake, our exercise, our stresses and our lifestyles. So I'm really looking forward for you to dive into this episode and to get to know more. As always, if you like this episode, I would really love you to hit subscribe, whether you're listening on the podcast, whether you're listening on YouTube, um, please hit the subscribe button so we can get this topic and turning 30 topics into as many is as possible. And if you're feeling like you really enjoy the episode, then I would love you to leave a review and to share it on your social media of course i always love to open these conversations so if you do want to talk in more detail to me about this topic and hear more please please send me a message uh, at turning30coach on instagram and i'm always hanging out there in the dms ready to talk to you i just wanted to take a minute to let you know about an offer that i'm currently running for the whole of november for my foundation's course the next chapter After coaching hundreds of one-on-one clients over the past seven years, I've seen which coaching tools work the best and I've developed a very specific process that has helped all of my clients to build the next chapter of their lives. And as I know, there are so many of you in my audience who want to do this work, you're really ready to step up and build your next chapters, but you don't necessarily need or want a one-on-one coach but you do want to have the benefits and the results that a one-on-one coach will give you. So about two years ago, I packaged together all of these tools into a program that I called The Next Chapter. And since then, over 80 women have enrolled in this program. And it occurred to me the other week when I was reviewing all of my library of resources that I'm sitting on this gold mine of resources and I'm not sharing it with my audience and my listeners. And that is why I want to invite you to join the next chapter. Just to let you know a little bit more about it, I use a three-step process with all of my clients and that process is reflect, accept and take action. And the self-study video modules that you'll get access to as part of the next chapter program are going to help you to work through this process. And alongside it, There is a 100 page workbook full of journaling activities, questions and tasks that you can do, which even in themselves, if you don't do any other part of the program, is worth hundreds of dollars for the amount of change that you will see by working through these exercises. Now, the course itself is going to walk you through so many different aspects. It's going to teach you how to identify specific areas of your life that you want to work on and focus on improving, help you set goals in my special goal setting process, and so much more. And in addition to this, there are also four workshops on my key coaching concepts, uh, confidence, boundaries, relationships, and comparison and a Facebook community that already has over 80, 30-something women. And in the coming months, alongside the special offer that I'm running, I'm going to be running exclusive community events and special guests and exclusive offers for workshops and more programs that are coming up in the next few months. So the special offer for the month of November is a reduced price access to the course for only $99 And alongside which, just for the next four weeks, you're going to also get access to my friendship mini course, which is worth $66 usually, and is an eight modules in podcast style that are going to help you to build better friendships in your 30s, which I know is something that from speaking to my community, so many of you struggle and want to find new friends who are on a similar path to you. So for both of these together, it's $99.00 or you can actually sign up with a brand new payment plan of two months for only $50 per month. To sign up, you can go to the link in the podcast blurb, or you can go to my website, www.turning30coach.com. I'm really looking forward to seeing you inside the Next Chapter community. So let's dive in with this week's guest, Dinara Mook, talking all about how we can take charge of our hormones and our menstrual cycle. Hi, Dinara, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Emma. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited for you to be here as well, especially because I was just thinking before we press play how in three years of the Turning 30 podcast, I've never had a whole episode dedicated to hormones, menstrual cycle. It's something that I've become super interested in in the past few years since really being in my 30s. (laughs) And isn't that wild? And doesn't that say something that I've been having these conversations about being a woman in your 30s and we haven't even addressed periods yet?
1: Amazing. Well, listen, this is, I'm biased, but I couldn't be a better person to talk
0: about it. Well, that's why you're here. What do you think it says that this is a topic that doesn't really get spoken about enough?
1: Yeah, I think, honestly, I think it's socialization and conditioning. It's as women, we have grown up, like when we go to our childhood, and I've I've observed this, because I was recently with my partner with a family. And you can just see there is a a little little boys, little kids that my partner's sister has. And it's just this like, play of them taking down their underwear. It's like, Oh, look at his little peepee, And like, just, you know, those jokes. And then if that happens to girls, and it still happens now, it's like, Oh, no, 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 like, be a good girl, you shouldn't be doing this. And when I had to reflect back on it, to my experiences, like it always is, like that. Whenever it's the boys, it's like, oh, look at the Johnny's little peepee, and we kind of celebrate the fact that they can be so confident in their bodies. With the girls, we have to be proper, we have to be good. So whenever we talk about the topics relating to our genitalia, it just has this like, oof, be a good girl,
0: you shouldn't be doing that. And I think it's a very heavy messaging that has carried for generations. I totally agree, and I think, mm-hmm. of course, maybe we'll dive into this later on, but. The education system doesn't mm-hmm. talk about menstrual cycle. I mean, I know obviously it's been a while since I was in uh, in school, but it was yeah. minimal. And we're almost expected as young adolescent women to just know about periods. And, and we don't. We almost like grow up and become women overnight. And mm-hmm. obviously it depends a lot on how your parents approach it. But I know a lot of people's parents don't really talk about it before it happens. And yeah. it's a shame because I think a lot of women have trauma in relation to their first periods in relation to getting a period when they're younger. What I can speak on my personal experience of what I remember about getting periods in high school and I was at an all-girls school was very much who started their period yet and then it was almost Mm -hmm. like a competition for who had started and there were the category of girls who'd started their periods very young and they'd already come to high school you know and it was like oh have you heard she's already got hers and then there was like those who all kind of did it in the same year which is like kind of the first year of high school and I was one of the later ones I think I started my period when I was maybe late 12 early 13 Mm -hmm. and I remember being like oh thank god I'm normal now I can relax and there's that kind of stigma around it which if only we knew in the future how much we wish we could wait a little. Okay, to start if, our periods. Exactly,
1: if only we knew. But it's interesting because I've researched the sort of, I guess, etymology of periods and like what really happened. And back in the day, sort of through the Middle Ages, the periods used to consider this super superpower of women and the blood used to be sort of known as this having magical powers and then the church has sort of come in and taken control and it's the church that actually ended up suppressing a lot of this conversations and a lot of the female movement and all of a sudden the periods sort of changed the reputation from being this women that were on their periods considered to be dangerous and witchy and it sort of it created this methodology that this is actually what women are like and even though we've moved away pretty far from like church managing things and from middle ages but yet that narrative has been so strong that it had carried up to today's day and it's carried from moms to their daughters and we still have this fear of talking about our periods and you're right in schools it's a very minimal conversation about our periods like I remember I was taught about banana and a condom and like this sort of things or like I can come to a supermarket and you can bring me to the aisle where they have a lot of pads and tampons and I'll tell you the exact absorption levels what it looks like but yet I can't tell you how my body functions. So that's mm. just shows the sort of education that we get in schools, we taught the sort of paths to use rather than how our bodies actually function.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting. Mm-hmm. And I loved your TED talk on uh, your menstrual cycle being your superpower. You. And that's really what I wanted to dive into today. And I thought to get started, it would be great to hear your journey of how you ended up becoming a what, what should we call you? A period influencer. I know, I know that you are, um, are a coach, and you yeah. um, you know do a lot of work with women's health. But I'd love to hear how you know, how that developed for you and your own personal journey with it.
1: Yeah. So I have had very painful periods. I think like most of the girls in my early 20s and I understand sort of the physiology of it now but the periods have been incredibly painful but because my mom had painful periods my aunt had painful periods I just thought it sort of runs in the family and it's probably this normal thing when never really questioned it just had extreme pain until the pain got so bad month after month that once I had to call an ambulance and upon ambulance arriving they sort of just came in observed me and they're like the reason that I called ambulance I thought it was that my appendix has ruptured and actually when the ambulance arrived they're like no your appendix is intact. It's just your period. And then they've given me some painkillers. They recommended like if it really bothers me, I can go to my doctors. So I thought my doctor will have the answers. And that's sort of what I did. And then the doctor has given me a birth control pill. So I sort of walked in, walked out within however 10 minutes we're allowed to be with the doctor. And I started taking this magic pill that was meant to solve my problems. And unfortunately, the pill didn't work for my body. And Knowing what I know now, I understand sort of the physiology of it. And we can definitely dive into why birth control can not work for so many female bodies. Mm -hmm. But for me specifically, it just, it affected my mood a lot. And it sort of, I became kind of like mute. There wasn't a lot of emotions. There wasn't highs. There wasn't lows. I sort of was like in this middle, like, "Mm," kind of like the the frequency. So there wasn't a lot of color in life. I started to get anxious and I started to gain weight. And in your mid twenties, you sort of like all you want at the time, you probably remember about 10 years ago, the influence that we would get of this like heroin chic skinny girls and this is what the sort of bodies that we were going after and of course I didn't like that the pill was doing that to me so I decided to come off of it and the pain came back and like the rest of it sort of reappeared again and I didn't want to go back on the pill again so I decided that I'm gonna have to fix it myself and then I kind of left it for a little bit until one day woke up crying just in a lot of pain and somebody suggested that I should read into menstrual cycles and just try to understand what's actually happens with our bodies and it was my early 30s and I was sort of in this transitional period um, within, like I needed to understand my body. I knew whatever I was doing. A lot of my lifestyle habits have been focused around my weight, but the period pain was sort of this like secondary thing that was kind of everybody else. But once I've understood what happens to my body on a monthly basis, what happens to my body, how it changes throughout the menstrual cycle, and I implemented all of the things that I've learned, I've just noticed this incredibly quick change. My period pain disappeared Disappeared, the PMS symptoms mitigated until they eliminated completely. And that's when I was like, oh my gosh, this is the secret to the universe. And I started talking to other women, and what I've realized is girls didn't know this. My friends didn't know this. And I was at the moment in my career where I knew I wanted to do something in health and wellness. I was going through coach certification program and it just so happened that at the moment I was fixing my health and I sort of amalgamated those two. And Mm. yeah, I've become the person that talks about periods. So how can you make your period pains disappear? Please share the secret. Everyone (laughs) wants to know. Yeah. So I guess in order to understand it, it's best to understand how the period pain actually, like what's the mechanisms of it or what tends to happen. So the period pain happens because of what's called prostaglandins. And it's a very complicated word for, essentially in your uterus, they're kind of like this hormone-like lipids, this little, like, I guess, let's imagine you had a cut in your hand. And when you have a cut, like, your skin is clearly irritated and it needs to heal. And the thing that heals that inflammation is essentially prostaglandins. And when our uterus, basically breaks down our uterus begins to shed and we start having our periods is this prostaglandins that inflame our uterus and that cause the pain but interestingly Mm -hmm. enough without getting too technical there is three different prostaglandins and one of them is this inflammatory kind the one that causes a lot of pain cramping for some women it causes nausea back pain some women are even experiencing diarrhea and they throw up and it just causes a lot of symptoms and it's this inflammatory prostaglandins but there's actually three types of them so there's two types that are anti-inflammatory, meaning that our bodies twice as capable of making us to be in less pain than in more pain, yet so many of us struggle with that pain. So it basically Mm -hmm. comes down to what is the cause of it. And it's essentially inflammation. A lot of it is the sort of diets that we lead, the sort of lifestyle that we put ourselves under, excessive stress being in this constant state of productivity that actually puts a lot of burden in our bodies. And it's the culmination of all of those things that actually makes the painful types of prostaglandins more pronounced making the pain so much more obvious and it's by addressing your lifestyle by addressing your stressors your food your nutrition
0: you can actually get to a place where pain is pr- practically non-existent and you would say it's holistic so it's not possible to look at just these things separately it's in terms of treating treating yeah. period pains or treating your menstrual cycle you have to look at everything together.
1: Yeah, I don't believe in spot treating period just because when we just treat the period, like there is a lot of this, and your listeners might be familiar with it. If they're, of course, in their 30s and try to address pain, we've probably seen those gummies and those supplements that are like, this is the miracle cure for period pain. And oftentimes, those sort of medications, gummies, supplements that we have, they are meant to address this spot and they promote it as like just to address your period pain. But period pain is so much more complex. It's your entire body and like female body in particular, our stress Glands, our gut health, our liver, our periods are so tightly interconnected. And it's actually through holistic approaches when we're able to do it long term. If we just spot treat it, that's when we sort of take things like ibuprofen, Tylenol, Advil, whatever you live, and you can spot treat it, but you're never addressing the root cause. So if you wanted to address the root cause and never have the issues, which is what I recommend, then yeah, the best approach is holistic. But it also will address your entire health because the period is really a sign of health. It's kind of like our monthly health report card that every single month Mm -hmm. when we get our periods we like If it arrives pain-free, smoothly, on time, without excessive clotting and like normal flow, then you're like, okay, you did really good. If it arrives maybe delayed, that can signify that maybe you're stressed and maybe you don't have enough nutrients. If it arrives with a lot of pain, that can signify maybe you've been exposed to too many chemicals or your diet has been extra inflammatory. So the period quite literally talks to us every single month, telling us what went on in our bodies. We just don't, never been educated how to listen to it. And once we can, that's when we can
0: take agency over our health and just feel overall so much better i mean it sounds incredible but mm. it's just interesting when you mentioned before about the spot treating of it with for example taking ibuprofen and yeah isn't it crazy how that's what you know this is exactly how i believe what happens in my period i'm actually gratefully don't have such heavy periods i have to say that as i'm getting older Um, They have been getting more problematic from when I was younger. And also I froze my eggs one year ago. And I think since then my body definitely reacted in a way where my periods have become heavier since then. I'm not sure if it's like a a reaction Mm. from the hormones or just more changes in my body just happens to be coincided Mm -hmm. with age. But my instinct or my go to from social conditioning is to take a quiet day, you know, especially the first day when it's, you know you feel the most heavy and, and just pop some paracetamol, even double it up with some ibuprofen if it gets bad, hot water bottle, bed, you know, work from bed. I'd have the privilege to do that working working from home. But, yeah. you know, isn't that what most women have been taught to do is just to almost grin and bear it, just get through those days of your period. And almost we're supposed to just deal with the pain.
1: Yeah. And I think that is like half of the population of the world is women. And if we were designed this way, that half of the population was meant to pain in pain and discomfort, I say there is a pretty significant design flaw because it's not meant to happen that half of the population is in pain. However, because it is so common, so many women have accepted that it's actually normal for them to be in pain. But I've seen with my clients over and over after we've done changes to their diets, often within one cycle, two cycles, they can completely eliminate the pain. Your instincts are when it comes to taking a rest day is actually correct because during your period, what really happens is your hormones are at an all-time low level. So you have the lowest energy, the lowest concentration of hormones. You're tired. And I recommend for women to take like a period leave for one day or two if you are able to because it really allows your to listen to your body. Like as women, we're not meant to constantly produce. And this period is sort of this wonderful time in our cycle where we do have to pull back and like allow our body to do the intensive process that it does. But the fact that you're struggling with pain, there could be things like a bit excess estrogen. And of course, given your history, probably some hormonal disruption, which is is what's happening, but it's definitely possible to solve it. And I've solved it with women that have endometriosis, which is a more severe condition of pain. And of course, regular pain is obvious to address it. And I think the more we question the pain and discomfort, the more we sort of able to bring awareness and education to it and seek the answers to be able to help ourselves. Because no, you should not be curled up into bed in pain for a few days out of the month. That's just mm. that's just not acceptable.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned period leave. And I know some countries have just passed legislation that allows women to actually take menstrual leave, yeah. but it's so, so rare. You know, obviously that's too out of however many countries in the world do you think that this is something that's going to become more popular and something that's going to catch on uh, I think it will move ahead
1: Yeah, I think it'll, so there's like some countries, there's some places in Australia, some places in, interestingly, in Korea and in Japan have been introduced forever. There is in Spain was quite recent. They tried to introduce it in America, but yet basically what tends to happen, I think the women started to actually backlash on the fact that they had a period pain trying to say that women actually can do the same as men. And in some way, people have taken it that because we need to take some time off during our cycle, it makes them less so. And I think that's a fundamental misunderstanding about how our bodies function because if you do have an option to do it, I think you should absolutely do it. But we also live truly in a capitalistic environment where we either consuming or we producing. And if we're doing none of those things, it's like we kind of almost feel less than. And I think the more we have this conversation, the more we talk about women's health, the more we understand just how differently our bodies function and just how the role of the female just in general sort of in the society, if we can have those conversations, we can really accept the fact that taking a day off during your month for period pain is actually doesn't make us less so if anything it gives us more power to show up as the best version of ourselves for the rest of the cycle because we don't operate in the same sort of productivity cycle like men do our hormones fluctuate very differently so if we have this conversation i think we can take period leave without shame of being like oh i should be productive i should be at work i think that becomes the challenge as well once you introduce this so it's kind of like it's a double-edged sword a little bit but yeah but
0: as you as we talk about it i think we can make it a bit more normalized Yeah. And it's such social conditioning that as women, we feel that we have to be exactly the same as men so that it will be a detriment to have this consideration when actually, you know, we know that our bodies are biologically different. Like we are different. We're different beings. So we can accept that and then accept the fact that we deserve to treat our bodies differently
1: yeah yeah no exactly and when we talk about differences like we spoke about females female hormones specifically our sex hormones things like estrogen progesterone they drive our not just our menstrual cycle but also our metabolism our brain function our immunity it is a known fact that women's immune system tends to get a bit weaker prior to their periods so often things like colds and flus tend to get like if you monitor it it tends to the onset of it happens often before our period is because in the second half of our cycle our body is sort of it thinks it's pregnant until we have a period. So a lot of the resources are being taken away from the immunity sort of standpoint. I'm very much simplifying it, but like our immune system changes because of those hormones, but we are not the same from one week to the next. There's times that you probably notice that after your period, you feel like, I have so much energy, I have so much creativity. And then the week leading up to your period, you're like, oh my gosh, kind of like dragging your feet. And it's very much driven by our hormones. And men also have the hormonal fluctuations, but their hormones fluctuate on the 24 hour basis. So they kind of work like a sun, and we work like a moon, and we try to make the moon work like a sun. We, we really kind of look at it, which is why 80% of women experience some sort of hormone imbalances, whether that number in men is about 5%. Like it's just the world's been designed for. 24 hours, wake up in the morning at 8, I don't know, 9 to 5, go to bed, get ready. Like We are designed to, as women, we're not designed to do the same things, same day, day in and day out. We have to vary our exercise, our productivity, our movement to match our clock rather than to match this 24-hour clock because that's what tends to make us sick, exhausted, and tired.
0: Yeah. I'm really glad you brought this up, actually. It's something that I've been really thinking about a lot as a business owner, as a a female business owner. And it's something that I'm seeing more and more with my clients. So I work one-on-one with women. And you can see, you know, I I meet usually three times a month with my uh, one-on-one clients. And you see every fourth or fifth week that my client will, you know, Obviously, everyone is different, but there's a general yeah. pattern of feeling. You know that almost the PMS symptoms more, more emotional, feeling more vulnerable, more, more able to cry, more, you know, more sensitive. The week is often described as feeling more hard, like more difficult, and it just made me think a lot about what you were just saying about how we live in obviously the patriarchal society where the days were supposed to be beings so who function on a twenty-four hour cycle, but as women, we actually like you said we're, we're functioning on a, on a monthly cycle and it's been so interesting to learn this in the past six years of being a coach of just how much I have this evidence before me that yeah. every fourth fifth week with a client they'll be really emotional and actually I've got to the point now which I never used to do before it's actually in the past year that I say where are, where in your cycle are you and I'm not a qualified hormone or health <laughs> coach but it always gives me evidence of to what their mood is and that's not to say okay we're going to coach today in the same way as before just Because you know it's this time of the month, but there's something about it that just being aware of that makes my clients feel consoled, and also makes me feel more able to process their emotional state. And it's something that I really want to learn to integrate more into my business, not only for my clients, also for myself to know. Okay, if I've got, for example, in that, you know, the last week before my period, and I'm feeling uh, specifically more Mm -hmm. sensitive than usual, then maybe I'm not going to put some really big meetings or big decisions in that week. And I'm going to wait until after my period has finished. So I'd love Mm -hmm. to hear what you think about that. And even your personal experience as being a, a business owner and working independently, how that affects you
1: yeah definitely i love that you bring that up and that you recognize that because i work with women on periods on hormones and sort of variety issues in between i have my pulse on their cycle so i know exactly the kind of mood that they're going to show up before we get on the call and it gives me just so much more insight as to how to coach them i know the sessions when we're going to cry i know the sessions when they're going to show up super happy and like up until i called myself at some point period whisperer because i could just tell when everybody were in their cycles because they if, if people's periods are delayed they talk to me that you know, their periods come and like if um when if they show up, I'm like, oh, I know you in follicular, you in luteal phase. Like it's just, it is such an interesting thing because, and it comes down to showing up as the best versions of ourselves when we know this sort of things. Because as you said, if we plan incredibly important meetings for the times when we are m- maybe more sensitive, maybe we doubt ourselves a little bit too much, maybe we sort of a bit more on overthinking stage of our cycle, which is tends to be sort of that week leading up to our period, you might not show up as the best version of yourself. Having said that, women are capable to do things uh, regardless where are they at, and I think having this information really does equip us like when I did my TED talk that we discussed which is a pretty big deal was for me at the time and one thing I would just didn't want it to fall in is to like anytime during that phase of my cycle I wanted to come right after my period and I, I think because of the stress and the rest of it I actually ended up doing my, my TED talk on the first day of my cycle and this is what oh, my no. energy usually dips. <laughs> I think because of an adrenaline like it was amazing but at the same time if you know that these things will fall on on, on those things you just You can like, I can preemptively be like, okay, this day we're not going to celebrate the TED talk. We're going to, I'm going to go home right after because I have to be able to balance it out. And actually, having that foresight, I didn't end up driving myself into a wall essentially doing the talk and post stuff and like celebrations. I was able to cut it and then continue pick it up once I was at my best once again. So, you do have to adapt, but having this information really gives you this power and agency over yourself that you're able to kind of really take care of yourself. If there are big meetings in the time where it's not good, you know that after you have to just take a lighter load and maybe go home. And when you are able to proactively schedule stuff that you are just very much yourself, outgoing, that in that case, it just makes it
0: that much easier to plan for those things. So yeah, I think I think that, that was, but we're, you're obviously the most knowledgeable about this and I've been really looking yeah. into it for the past couple of years. But for the listeners who maybe are new to this and haven't really ever learned about their menstrual cycle before, the hormonal fluctuations in the different weeks of their uh, cycle, Is it possible that you could just summarize, I guess, the the different uh, parts of the cycle just so people know? And maybe we've already mentioned a few tips just then, but maybe a couple of more suggestions for how to almost deal with each part of the cycle. Yeah, for sure. I, I love that. And I want to
1: describe it in a way of the seasons just because it's easier to grasp. So I'm going to talk about it as the winter, spring, summer. So as a woman, you have four distinct phases in your cycle. So you actually internally go through your winter, spring, your summer, your fall or autumn, and your winter. And we'll start with the menstrual with the period itself because it's the most obvious part of the cycle. And we usually all know when that comes. And period happens when sort of all of our hormones drop and they are at a baseline level. And that's kind of like your inner winter. This is when you feel much more internal you definitely kind of like the weather outside you want to hide inside you kind of just want to maybe journal maybe reflect on things and stay inside and as your period finishes you go into your inner spring which is when you start feeling that the energy starts coming up and it's this hormone estrogen that starts to slowly climb up after our period. And estrogen is kind of like the Beyonce of our hormones. It's a very, it makes you outgoing. It makes your skin shinier. It actually makes your face look a bit more symmetrical. So it's for other people. It's the hormone that makes us young, makes us outgoing. It's also the anabolic hormone, meaning it's the hormone that helps us grow our boobs, our bum. Like it's the very female hormone and that hormone rises in the first half of the cycle so after your period you get into your uh, what's called the follicular phase or your inner spring and then from there the estrogen climbs and then it peaks and that's when you're in your ovulatory phase ovulatory phase it's kind of like your inner summer and this is the time when you're probably the most outgoing your energy is speaking you out there this is also coincides with the fertility window women uh, contrary to the popular belief we can only get pregnant for five to six days out of the cycle and that's the time and this is the time when you might kind of notice that you want to put the dresses that are a bit more revealing you want to put red lipstick you kind of want to be seen and it's this like almost it's it's your body wants you to do it it's not even the the planned part of it and then after ovulation you go into what you call your inner autumn or your inner fall and this is the about two weeks period that takes you all the way to your period between your ovulation and your period and during this time this is where a lot of women experience pms symptoms and the hormone that takes in place is the progesterone. And progesterone Mm -hmm. hormone is tends to, it's very positive for so many health benefits, but it tends to kind of makes you slow down. It takes you get more internal. Progesterone is kind of like, it's essentially the pregnancy hormone. It's a lot of the the hormone that we produce predominantly a lot of it during our pregnancy, which is when we want to make a cocoon. We want to be inside. We go from this external person to slightly more internal. It's kind of like the, the Kristen Stewart of hormones, like the girl from the twilight. She's a bit more quieter, a bit more reserved, doesn't really smile too much like this is this is the sort of mood that you're in during that time so you constantly and then as your hormones once again fall back you go back to your period so you go through this winter spring summer fall season every single month and it takes about a week give or take for each phase of your cycle and you essentially cycle through all of it and it's all managed by the primary
0: sex hormones thank you so much for summarizing that i feel like that the analogy of the seasons is is really interesting and i Mm -hmm. think I for sure can uh, resonate with it. And I'm sure uh, many listeners can also. Yeah. Uh, why do you think that when you're in your 30s is a good age to start to educate yourself about your hormones and your menstrual cycle and to take control of it?
1: Well, I think it's good to educate yourself as early as possible. And one of the things that you said is we don't do it in schools. And I'm actually starting to do a lot of education in local schools. And I'm starting to speak to the girls from like 11 because the girls starting to get periods now incredibly early, like as early as eight years old, because a lot of it because of our environment changes. But in your early sort of 20s, you, you kind of feel like you're a bit more invincible. You're like, yeah, whatever, I can grind. You have a lot of energy and you just go through things. And, and then when we get to 30, we sort of start to really, I guess, things like you're drinking and your hangovers get a little bit tougher. So you kind of have to be thinking about those sort of things. If your periods are painful, you're now starting to question your body. And I think not so questioning, but you get more curious. And this is when we switch from this external, I so much care about my looks. I think in the thirties is when we start caring about like, but what is really important to me? What's really happening from the health standpoint, which is most of my clients actually late twenties, early thirties is this when they start worrying about things like fertility. We're starting mm-hmm. to get ready for pregnancy. We, if our if periods irregular now we're like okay like now I know that in order for me to get pregnant I have to ovulate we sort of start learning this general information and I think fertility has a lot to do with it just because we're starting to prepare for our babies but I also think we turn away from just caring about external factors we start caring about things what is going to take me long term through my 30s and then into 40s and further but yeah I think the 30s is a great time to start learning about your body because this is the time when you're really putting the roots for the long term health because in your 20 your body was really quick to bounce back in your 30s, takes a little bit more time, which kind of gets you curious as to, as to asking asking really deep questions that really will serve you in the long term.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with what you said that obviously the earlier the better. But let's mm-hmm. be honest, most of us in our 20s are so concerned with other things that are yeah. learning about ourselves. Maybe it's different these days, I'm not sure. But for me, I, I can I can definitely say that in my 20s, I was a lot less concerned about my internal yeah. state and more the other external things. And it was only definitely in my early 30s I would say that I really started to consider this and that's actually the time that I came off the contraceptive pill having been Mm -hmm. on it pretty much for about 13 years and I think the year I turned 30 was almost like this kind of milestone or, or the signpost of okay now you're 30 and you've actually been on the contraceptive pill for a really long time and at this point fertility wasn't something I was specifically thinking about but it was more like my long-term health and thinking you know actually I've never really taken time to research this I just took the Mm -hmm. doctor's word for it that I can just be on the pill endlessly and when I started to look into it I realized you know what I don't think that this is actually the right thing for me and felt a huge shift in mood and health really as soon as I stopped taking it so I think that's definitely true for The turning 30 aspect is that it Mm -hmm. is the time I think because of that turning of the age going to a new decade, you do actually start to really question your health decisions in a way that you never questioned them before
1: yeah and i love that you mentioned birth control because it is very true this is when we're starting and i do things partially related to fertility partially i'm questioning about my body and what's actually happening and i think with birth control specifically so many girls have been placed on it when 15 16 years old your hormones in your period they're still building up it's not like your period arrived you're done off you go like your body is still getting to know itself and then all of a sudden we just shut down those hormones so so many women get on it at like 16 and then stay until 30 so 14 years of completely shut down the hormone communication and then they like okay let me come off and of course they notice this changes they see things differently their health changes because now all of our their son their body can tune in and actually work the way it's meant to rather than this sort of like this sort of interrupted signal that was happening with synthetic
0: hormones so yeah the birth control is a big
1: part of it i completely agree with you i think this
0: is a bit of a leading question because we do know the answer and you just mentioned before about fertility but are the health of our periods an indication of our fertility and where should we start to address that
1: Absolutely. Definitely. The period is your sort of health report card. And I guess for a very long time, we were taught that the period is meant to be painful. So we kind of been taught subliminally not to question the pain. Like this is just, it is just what it is. Like take ibuprofen and it'll go away. And many of us, maybe we had... Pu- prolonged period of time where we don't get a period. So we're sort of like, yay, this is such a great thing. But if you don't get a period, that means maybe you are either undernourishing your body over over over-exercising, maybe you have more serious hormonal issues like polycystic ovary syndrome, which is one of the most common endocrine issues at the moment among women, which is when you just don't ovulate and therefore you have prolonged cycles. So depending on your symptoms, it would mean different things. For example, if you're somebody that is spotting pretty excessively prior to your period, that means that your body is not building enough estrogen. And that means that there's a sort of breakthrough of estrogen, of estrogen, and therefore progesterone is the essential hormone in order for you to be able to carry a healthy pregnancy. So if you excessively spotting, that means you need to start working on building that progesterone layer in order for it to function properly. Then if you come in with a period that is extremely heavy or extremely painful, that could mean that you have excess estrogen. And when you have too much estrogen in your body, it'll create this sort of Thank you. the cat heavy bleed, it'll create a lot of PMS symptoms, a lot of bloating. And sometimes when we have too much estrogen in relation to progesterone, once again, that will affect our fertility. And stress, lack of nutrients, all of those things will show up in our period and specifically throughout our cycle. So a lot of women that I have now that come into my practice are the ones that are struggling with fertility. And doctors always put this sort of unexplained fertility diagnosis for so many women, or without, rather than sort of getting them to look into their menstrual cycle, to track their cycle, to track their fertility signs and just to see how their body actually operates rather than immediately putting them on medications or getting them on ivf but first like i rarely hear doctors asking how does your sleep how is your stress are you eating good enough fats protein carbohydrates we often just like oh okay you couldn't get pregnant let's get you on like the heaviest of medications and actually often and it's certainly not for everybody but for so many women this holistic part is being missed and we often just go to medications as the first source because i mean the doctors and pharma just because of that relationship Relationship is often we tend to struggle without getting the answers that we actually need but rather the answers that just like the doctors like this is A equals this is what we need to treat you B this is what we need to do
0: so yeah, yeah and I actually I think you know I'm at the age 36 where a lot of my friends who and actually like maybe the algorithm on on, fa- on uh, Instagram since I am um, interested in hormones and, and menstrual cycle I've been hearing a lot of stories of women who maybe what on birth control, then came off, didn't even realize, because i have been on it from a young age, that they had uh, polycystic ovary syndrome, yeah. you know, PCOS, and then struggling with infertility, and then actually going straight to IVF. Uh, and then I actually had a previous podcast guest, where we did speak about this. So it wasn't necessarily just about periods, but it was about mm-hmm. hormones. It was Lauren Allen who came on to talk about how you can basically improve your fertility via nutrition and via changing yeah. your diet. And she sees, and I'm sure it's the same as you, incredible changes and actually women falling pregnant when they've been told by doctors you are infertile and you need to do IVF and that might not even work and literally after a few months of just changing their lifestyle and specifically changing their food intake they managed to fall pregnant yeah and i think some of the things that we're not really educated is from the moment our follicle forms before it becomes
1: a period it actually takes 90 days for it to start sort of growing in our ovaries until it until it pops and becomes a period it's not just one month and those follicles and those eggs they need nutrients they need zinc they need magnesium they need selenium they need very specific nutrients in order to be fertile in order to essentially for your follicle to pop and then after that for your body to produce progesterone because you can only produce progesterone after ovulation so in order for that, and this is the sort of the missed education. So we immediately go to procedures that are so much more invasive than when we can actually use this nutritional interventions, lifestyle interventions, and just look at your lifestyle overall. And within three months, as you said, you had people that spoke about it as well. And I had that experience as well. Women get pregnant after a little while and they're like, Oh, like, and I thought that it might not have been an option. And it's the same with endometriosis, the same with PCOS. Like, as you take care of your body naturally, the truth is your body wants to be in homeostasis. It wants to be healthy. It wants to come back. So it'll always, like, the symptoms is simply the mirror languages of your body that are like, yo, something is off. Pay attention to it. And if we learn to look at it like that, rather than go to the doctor and try to shut the symptom with medication or with a quick, band-aid solution, will never get to the answer. So listening to the symptoms and actually getting to the bottom of it, researching, working with somebody that understands hormones can, can really get you from a place
0: of A to B much quicker than you think in a much gentler, non-invasive way. So for somebody who might be listening to this podcast now and thinking, wow, you know, I struggle with periods and I feel mm-hmm. like I'm really worried about future fertility and it's something that I want to address where do you recommend that they should start on their journey to to educate themselves and to actually take action
1: Yeah, well, there's quite a few resources out there. You're welcome to come to my page and take a look at the stuff that I post. You can also take a look at my TED talk, which is called Menstrual Cycle is Your Superpower, where I discuss in general what you need to do. But overall, you can really start just by looking at your lifestyle and just seeing what are the things that you are consuming on a daily basis, both from the nutritional standpoint. Are you having enough meals? And I think one of the biggest things that I have with women in my practice, they just really not eating enough food and specifically not eating enough protein. There's such a big craze of skipping breakfast and intermittent fasting and i think just how different our body reacts to intermittent fasting than the male bodies reacts to intermittent fasting is something that we don't talk about but intermittent fasting keto diets all of these fat diets have been tested on the male body and have shown great results never considering the female sex hormones and just how much they fluctuate and just how much they really affect our bodies so looking at your nutritions ladies that are listening you have to have three meals a day and you have to have you d- start your day with breakfast the breakfast That's not just a dessert, things like cereal with milk, but more things like um, eggs, things like healthy carbohydrates, vegetables, fruits, things like avocados, stuff that actually nourishes your body. And then the second thing was the biggest hormone disruptor is stress. And I worked with a lot of women with gut issues, things like IBS and things like leaky gut and Just constant bloating and your gut is directly correlated to your periods and also directly correlated to your thyroid. So your entire body is sort of connected. And once you begin to fix one thing, usually I recommend starting with nutrition, you'll start noticing many symptoms begin to sort of trickle down and they begin to improve. And I've mentioned stress briefly, but I think telling people like don't stress is kind of like telling them that the sky is blue because our life is just full of stressors so it's such an overused thing but it's really so important and I think with stress is important just to find a thing that works for you and then do it regularly maybe you like walks maybe you like breath work maybe you like um just taking deep breaths and just being by yourself and maybe you like being in nature like find that one thing that really works for you and be consistent with it doing it for maybe 20-30 minutes every single day the effects that that'll have is amazing both on your body on your hormones
0: on your periods I love that thank you mm-hmm. so so much yeah I have loved talking about this topic and I really thank think you. that there's so much goodness for everyone in the audience to to learn uh, I have a question that I w- I'm asking all of my guests now and um, and you're already in your 30s so it's a relevant mm-hmm. question for you but what would you say is the one thing that you wish you knew about your 30s in your twenties that you didn't know before that you wish you would have known? Mm. Gosh, there's like, there's so many things that, that come to mind, but I think- You can say a few, it doesn't have to be just one. We've got time for a few. <laughs> I think
1: the biggest ones is like, I think in our twenties, we created a lot of fear around food. And I think we kind of think that less is more. And we try to cut ourselves, we try to fit into the craziest- unrealistic expectations of what the beauty standard, what the perfect body is that ruins so many bodies. It creates so many health issues, creates such an unhealthy relationships with our bodies and such an unhealthy relationship with food in general. I think one of the biggest things that have changed for me transitioning from 20s to 30s is just the relationship with my body. I disliked my body in my 20s in pretty vocal and obvious way. I beat myself up over having a little bit of fat around my belly, over not having a big enough bum, like not perky enough boobs. like Literally every single thing that i could have beat myself over i've done it and i think as you get to your 30s you really just like understanding how my body functions truly has helped me and that it, it shift the shapes and it changes had really helped me and just improving my relationship with food and understanding that food is not the enemy there isn't good or bad food had really helped me nourish my body and with that my body had responded and i, I didn't get to the like this perfect six abs place that I need to but what I've realized that that was never the goal and actually with what I have I am so grateful and I'm so happy just to nourish it in a way that supports it and I think that was the biggest change for me and of course there's a big one of just too much thinking about what other people think but then I heard every single decade you kind of just think about it less and less
0: so I don't know there's something to look forward to going on as we go but yeah yeah. repeatedly I hear that repeatedly as well and only when you reach your 70s then that's when you truly don't you don't give a shit about anything yeah (laughs) exactly
1: but I also don't think if we then to not give a shit because it's like we're designed to be as part of the tribe. We naturally will want to fit in. Like there is that but there is that really unhealthy obsession where you just cannot leave the house and then you get overly obsessed. Mm. I think a slight obsession, like, I want to take care of myself, I want to look good. Like to me, those are the things that are important. But I think getting to a place where you just get so anxious and you stop yourself from progressing and evolving in your life because you're afraid of what everybody will think when everybody's really like that Becky from school and uh your mother and like sister, like everybody's really those three people that you really care. <laughs> worry that much, so if you really think about those three people and kind of like just be able to. And I think in the thirties, you're able to have that bit of that mindset shift in perspective that actually everybody's thinking about themselves as well. Like it's yeah. just it's just you,
0: and I think that can create a really healthy mindset for you to be able to go after your dreams. Yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. It's honestly one of the key lessons that I teach clients when we when we do our programs together is that shift from that fear of judgment and that fear of what everybody else will think especially when in our 30s if we want to do something different whether that's a career change to start a business to break up a relationship you know to move country whatever it might be it's the biggest thing that I hear is what will people think and I think it can be a prison I agree with you it's very primitive to be in relation to others and to want to know what other people think but I think it's when it stops you from actually taking action when it stops you from actually going after your goals and what you truly want that's when it becomes a problem and I do think that for me anyway and obviously for you as well as you shared that shift going from 20s to 30s is a huge shift in really not forgetting what other people think but prioritizing what I think and what's more important to me and then almost still dealing with what other people think but not making it dictate the outcome. The, what you do. Yeah. And I think the work that you do is so fantastic because the thing that really helped me is actually coaching because we don't,
1: don't see our own brain. And I think we sometimes think about coaching as this thing of like, oh, I don't know if I need this. Luckily, we, we're talking more about it. But the truth is that 50% of like Fortune 500 companies minimum all have coaches. And on Facebook, I hear whenever you start at the executive position, you're given a mentor and a coach. And having coaching my with my brain over the last few years, that had really progressed. There is, of course, there's space for therapy, there is space for coaching. But honestly, on Like asking for help, and because you care so much about things and not being afraid that, that if you feel like it hinders your life, definitely getting coaching and talking to somebody that has experience that able to just give you that perspective shift where you able to focus on the things that you can control because there's so much
0: within you. So true. I couldn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't have said it better myself. Okay. Uh, thank you so, so much. Could you just share with the listeners where they can find you? We've obviously mentioned your amazing TED Talk, which I do recommend everybody go and listen to after this. But uh, where else can they uh, hear more about your work and, and find you online?
1: Thank you. Since we're in the podcast, I also have a podcast called Feel Better, Be Better, where I geek out a lot on women's health. We talk about bloating, endometriosis, PCOS, all of those things. So if you want to learn more, come join me there. If you are wondering, after we've talked a lot about hormones, if you're experiencing any of those things, I'm happy to share with your listeners the hormone quiz that I created. It's completely free and it basically will allow you to see the symptoms that you have and it'll signify which things that you actually should pay attention to. And you can, um, we'll share the link in the show notes. And yeah, Yeah, and then my name is dinara.mukh and it's the same across all of the socials. Instagram and TikTok is those are the two that were most
0: active. Amazing. Well, thank you so much again for such an educational and interesting episode. And I'll see everybody on the podcast next week.